0: Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen.
1: I'm William. And
0: we are here to tell you stories that will hopefully interest you, maybe freak you out a little bit, give you something to think about.
1: Yeah, and so uh, this week we're going to start off with a mini topic. Mm-hmm. I think we all saw in the news, there was that horrible fire that happened at uh, Notre Dame yep. in France. Uh, and it was it like dominated the news feeds. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we all know that a lot of the you know uh, beautiful architecture has been... Uh, had like survived the fire, is right. going to be restored, especially like the stained glass. It mm-hmm. represents hundreds of years of history.
0: Yeah, it's not quite as bad as they thought it was going to be at first. Yeah, it's
1: still terrible. Yeah, totally. But
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: going to rebuild. Right. However, it got uh, my gears turning about a, uh, what I thought was a monster mm-hmm. all these years. I'm going to briefly tell you about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. This is a, 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 I thought that this was a universal monster. When really? You th- oh yeah, I think it. I think I had the wrong idea. I understand why I got the wrong idea from doing a little bit yes. of research into this. Yeah. But I was always under the impression that, um, like, you would go see Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and you would also see The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hmm. Now, I think here's part of the reason why. Yeah. The Hunchback was a, a universal movie that was released in 1923, yeah. and uh, uh, Quasimodo. The Hunchback himself was played by Lon Chaney.
0: Okay, who, that'll do it. Yeah, was yeah. one of
1: the famous you know, movie monster actors. Right. Um, and then also uh, the story sort of got um, tainted and corrupted by pop culture over the course of decades. Mm-hmm. But at its or- original telling, um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame was actually a-, a novel. It was written by Victor Hugo in 1831. Quasimodo is a bell ringer in Notre Dame. Right. Uh, he's like he's, a
0: sad character, right?
1: Yeah. It's sort of like an elephant man type story. Right. He's, he's uh, like horrifically deformed. People consider him a monster. Mm-hmm. That's where the monster idea originally came from. People mm-hmm. considered him a monster, not considering that his physical appearance might not have anything to do right. with the person that he really is. Mm-hmm. He's uh, tricked into or forced to kidnap a woman named Esmeralda. Later on, he tries to save her and it costs him his life. Mm-hmm spoilers for a nearly 300 year old story right Uh, well 200 but
0: uh who's counting
1: (laughs) you look good for your age quasi so um uh, uh yeah it's actually like a sort of heartwarming story but here's where i think pop culture started to consider uh quasimodo the hunchback of notre dame a monster um there are essentially like years and years and years of him being lumped in with the universal monsters, including in the movie Van Helsing, uh-huh. the terrible movie Van Helsing starring Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I never saw it. Oh, I saw it in theaters with Dad, I think, uh-huh. and even we and like. <laughs> Did Dad not like it? I think Dad and I both were kind of like, ooh, yeah, and Dad had like a major appreci- appreciation for like that era yes. of film that all these characters came from. But I'm yes. pretty sure that both of us were like.
0: And any sort of (laughs) – he had an affinity for like mostly any kind of movie that had some action in it. It's not necessarily that he was like, this is a wonderful movie that wins an Oscar. It's got good action. Yeah, he enjoys watching it, so whatever. So if he was out, that's not a great sign. No,
1: but uh, Hugh Jackman fights at Notre Dame. Who does he fight? (laughs) Mr. Hyde.
0: Oh, God. And
1: so it's lightly theorized that that was originally supposed to be Quasimodo, but maybe people were like – He's not a bad guy.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Make it something else. Did Van Helsing or the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen come first?
1: I have no idea. Probably the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because I think it was based on a comic. Right, okay. Pretty sure. I
0: remember there was – we talked about this on the show once before, how there was an era, like a run of like nerd action movies. Yeah. Like literary people where it was like Sherlock Holmes, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Van Helsing. And I would like that to come back even though a lot of those movies aren't good.
1: Yeah, Sherlock Holmes was good.
0: I love Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. I guess I'm basically referring to Van Helsing, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. To be fair, I haven't seen – Also, they made that Avengers
1: movie – where it was like tut tut, it's going to rain. What? Number one, like it was like a very like proper British. Oh, I know what you're you know talking, what talking about. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it was like based on an incredible series, but the movie itself was not great.
0: Yes, there were like a string of movies based on like hoity-toity literary things, but trying to make them like badass. I I'm pretty don't sure don't know that how successful. I'm
1: pretty sure that Tom Sawyer is one of the action stars yeah, of I Leaving Very right. Gentlemen.
0: I think you're right. And it's
1: possibly played by Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Berkey Thatcher and I are going to the prom. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> so all right. There's also Hotel Transylvania, that Adam yeah. Sandler movie where he plays Dracula. Evidently, I had no
0: idea Adam Sandler had anything to do with those movies. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. And his Dracula just talks like this.
0: Oh, I had no idea it's, that was Adam Sandler. That makes total sense. Yeah. Uh,
1: the the villain is Quasimodo Wilson, a chef that wants to cook people, voiced by John Lovitz. It's quite a mashup. Voiced the villain. Is voiced by John Lovitz.
0: Well, I guess you could uh, get here's, a little, it's just some long S's true. and stuff like that. I'm going to cook a person.
1: <laughs> All right. Here's a quote from the main villain, Quasimodo Wilson. When you bump with the hump, you land on your rump. So that happens. So, so. basically Quasimodo has been sort of corrupted to be looked at as yeah. like a villainous monster. Uh But here are a couple of small facts to cap it off. Turns out Quasimodo, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, might have been based on a real person. Hmm. In the year 2010, uh, it was revealed that uh, uh, in the memoirs of a 19th century British sculptor named Henry Sibson, he describes working at Notre Dame at the same time uh, as Victor Hugo was writing that novel. He describes a stonemason who, quote, was humpbacked and he did not like to mix with the carvers. Oh, okay. So this actually might have been a real person yeah. who felt somewhat outcasted, right. which is incredible. Mm-hmm. And over the course of these, uh, you know, a couple hundred years, he's been turned into a, a character, like, yeah, a Disney movie, like an animated Disney movie star. It's crazy. And I found a lot of my information on Monsterpedia type sites.
0: Huh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Poor Quasimodo. Yeah,
1: and he will be similarly uh, miscategorized here on Guide to the Unknown. Yes,
0: in mini Monster Madness.
1: How strange is that?
0: Just carrying on the tradition. The
1: injustice continues. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wasn't it that he like tried to save Esmeralda and people thought he was kidnapping her?
1: No, he did kidnap her, but it oh, wasn't okay. because he wanted to kidnap her. All the stories they describe that he's got a master named like FIPO or something. <laughs> It's definitely not his name, but I didn't write it down. It was something like that. Anyway, he, yeah. There was also there was also something that I might have gotten the wrong message from. Uh huh. Uh, A metaphor for Quasimodo in the original story is that there is a beautiful vase holding withered, decayed flowers, Mm -hmm. and then there is a very common-looking vase, no frills, nothing fancy about it, holding a beautiful beautiful bouquet. Yeah. And what I read is that Esmeralda grabs the withered flowers and clutches them to her chest. Oh. Isn't that the opposite message?
0: Yeah, I absolutely thought you were going to say that, you know, they they emphasize and valued right. the beautiful flower in think. the imperfect package.
1: Right, yes. Is
0: Victor Hugo who wrote Les Miserables?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, actually, uh, uh, Jean Valjean was also uh, based two, on four, somebody six, who seven, worked one. at uh, uh, Notre Dame.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: Jean Valjean.
0: Notre Dame. Jean-Claude, <laughs> Jean Claude <laughs> Valmont, John.
1: Anyway, uh, hashtag justice say. for quasi. Yes. Uh, he never got what he deserved.
0: <laughs> Poor guy.
1: Okay. Okay. Did I handle that with, uh, with the appropriate with amount of grace respect? and. Oh, no. Right. A
0: plum? Yeah. I think you handled it with a plum.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to treat myself to a plum after this for doing such a good job. What a smart boy am I. That would be punishment for what me. What is it where somebody pulls a plum out of a pie and they think they're clever for it?
0: Yeah, they put their finger in a pie, pull out a plum, call it macaroni. <laughs> what Not a bad. clever boy <laughs>
1: am I. Yeah. I have ruined the pie.
0: <laughs> I think we talked about mother, it when
1: you talked about nursery rhymes. Mother, I have ruined this pie. <laughs> What a good boy am I.
0: A lady who lives in like a cottage of that time that they make up things like that with like a rag. She puts over her shoulder and she's like Johnny or whatever when he does that. Tucker,
1: put it back.
0: No, the right. pie's already ruined. I don't want to be putting it back. Not that there's any universe where I'd eat that pie anyway. So really, True. to me, it's 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 done before it begins. It was ruined
1: but, before uh, Tucker's yeah. thumb hit the crust.
0: Right, exactly. But I can't imagine anybody who even enjoys a fruit pie would want it after they dunk their thumb back in, then like slowly maneuver it out so it leaves the plum,
1: Ugh. and then you fold the pie top back over to cover the wound. Okay. Ew. Enough! enough. <laughs> oh, okay, I, oh, we got to stay the course. We got to be careful. Right. Get this sucker back on the road.
0: Right. <laughs> stay the course. Yeah. Okay. So, playing off of that, Will and I had talked about the fact that he was going to maybe do the Hunchback of Notre Dame um, after hearing about what happened this past week. And playing off of that, I decided to also journey to Paris for my topic, and I'm going to talk about the Paris catacombs. Mm, oh wow! So, yeah. So, do you know much about them?
1: I, I I truly only know of them as something that exists and is frightening. I think there's like a viral video mm-hmm. of a monster. Yeah, in the Paris catacombs or something. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. Somebody there it is. there's like a doctored video. I th- I, think, I don't even right? know if
1: it's necessarily doctored. It's probably fake. Yeah, but but it's like Blair Witchy kind of style. Somebody with like basically a GoPro strapped to their head, uh-huh. climbing around in the catacombs. And if you pause it at the right moment, you see something peeking at them and then ducking out of sight. Yeah, and it sort of it didn't burst. It didn't like you know reach sort of like that viral fame that we consider viral. But right. it certainly was shared around quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's right. I kind of forgot about that yeah. there's also that movie i forgot to write it down starring uh pink that was about the catacombs what? alicia whatever her oh. name is
1: i had no idea that she starred in stuff i think she
0: was only in that one movie Catacombs. i only
1: associate her with like charlie's movie. angels full throttle didn't oh, yeah, she have like right. a big music video
0: yes yeah it oh i guess it was just straight up called catacombs i thought it was called something else huh what the hell is pink's real name Oh, that's going to bug me. Alicia Moore.
1: Okay. Thank God. Of course. Alicia Moore.
0: So anyway, those are the main things that I know about the catacombs. Yeah. Which is almost nothing. That there was a movie that I didn't know the name of that was catacombs. Right. And that starred Pink, whose name I didn't know. Right. That's basically what I knew about the catacombs until this week. So they are tunnels under Paris that are filled with real human bones lining the walls. Um. Let's go to the section, what is the deal with the catacombs? <laughs> Why are they even there?
1: Jerry Seinfeld's travel show. Yeah.
0: So the tunnels that <laughs> Who make... are these people? <laughs> we know who one of them is. Well, we know who a bunch of them are, but I will name one of the people's bones that are in the catacombs. It was of interest to me. Okay. So the tunnels that make up the catacombs – are basically limestone quarries that were there when they were building Paris. So people would go down under the ground to mine this limestone, which basically built Paris as we know it today. Oh. And as they were building it, Paris expanded more and more and more and more to the point that now, um, like the catacombs and tunnels and paris are basically the same size as each other above and below weird the catacombs were humongous to begin with because they were using it so much and then paris expanded basically to meet them um so there are about 200 miles of tunnels down there we estimate because not all of them are mapped and there's some aren't uncharted territory Ooh, i know it's really freaky so the way that the bones ended up down there – and something I thought was interesting was, is that not all of the tunnels are entirely, like, coated in bones, which is basically what I thought. I didn't know how massive the catacombs and tunnels were. I knew that they were big, but I assumed it was a little system of tunnels that are all bones, and it's not the case. There's plenty of stuff that's bone-free. Okay. The way the bones got down there is that when Paris was expanding, when they're building stuff with this limestone from the tunnel, so it's this very weird symbiotic relationship. While Paris is expanding and becoming busy, there are more people living there, so there are more people dying there. So the cemetery started, beget- started becoming really overcrowded, which led to burials not being done properly, um, graves being left open, Bodies getting unearthed and just kind of a whole mess. And because of that, people who lived near cemeteries started getting sick with infectious diseases Ugh. from the bodies. Ugh. I know, real gross. You know what's... When I think about Paris, like back in the day, it just I feel grimy. No disrespect. I think the I think no, of the whole... Miserab, sure, and stuff like this. It's just, it's just unhappy and scary, and people getting sick.
1: I think the whole world. Like if well, you think yes, about yes, if totally. you think about like uh, uh London with Jack the Ripper times, same
0: kind of thing. I just, feel just like I, like everything has
1: nothing is clean nothing
0: clean New, New York, York City has this layer of no crime. no no
1: no no yeah disgusting yeah what's weird that you have just made me think of is this sounds very similar to what uh, happened in New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. with the, uh, what was it? The the Yellow mm-hmm. Fever? Is that what it's called? I
0: think it is. Yeah. With yep.
1: like bodies piled in the streets and everything. Yeah. New Orleans famously with its uh like the French Quarter, like right. has a lot of French history. Mm-hmm. I wonder why it's just such a weird thematic thing that happened in France. I know. And New Orleans, which was French.
0: Yeah, that is weird. And I think we have an episode talking about that. About New Orleans yeah, cemeteries so. and stuff like that. Because yeah. you and I have both been there. yeah So I don't know which one it is off the top of my head, but if if you want to go back through the feed i'm 99 sure that we have an episode about that um so check it out um but yeah so the cemeteries are a mess basically um there are per- perfume shops that are like in areas where there are cemeteries yeah. that were not doing good business because of the smell so like you would think like oh yeah people want lots of perfume but at the same time if you're trying to test perfume at a fancy french London uh, be- french store but there's like corpse smell coming in you can't I guess it gets hard to distinguish and want to buy that perfume. because, like, is this a stinky base note of perfume? Right, yeah. Or stinky eau de body from the street? (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) So the last straw for the cemetery situation was when a flood broke the perimeter of the Les Innocents Cemetery. Wow. Uh-huh. And bodies started overflowing into the streets. Oh, my God. Les <laughs>
1: That's a nightmare. I know. That's a true nightmare.
0: Absolutely. So they were like, all right, we got to do something about this. There are too many bodies. They're going all over the place. This is not sustainable. And they started thinking to themselves, you know, we have miles and miles of tunnel under the city. Maybe, and we have like a space issue above, maybe we should start utilizing that. So um, discreetly, police and priests began moving the bones down there over a period of 27 years. So this happened between 1787 and 1814 wow. to get like the catacombs that you think of today. Um, and among the famous people who were in cemeteries that then got brought down there is the guy who wrote Little Red Riding Hood, P- Puss in Boots, and Cinderella, Charles Perrault. Wow. Thanks, Charles. Thank you, Charlie. Um, so the catacombs became a popular spot for royal families and like statusy mucky mutts to check out because it was kind of this like weird curiosity that you go down into tunnels and there are bones everywhere, um, and then it got open to the general public in 1867. Hmm. So. Here's what it's like when you go down there. So you may have seen pictures of it before, and you can definitely Google this and look it up. There are a lot of pictures of the arrangements of bones down there. But as you would think, skulls and bones – I guess I was a little surprised by this. Skulls and bones line the walls, obviously, on the ceiling and stuff like that too. Um, but the- – oh <laughs> Oops.
1: How are they on the ceiling? Are they, are they like on think- shelves and stuff? And then what's with the ceiling?
0: I think that they see, I wish I didn't say ceiling. I, I didn't write that down. When I was looking at pictures. I thought to myself, I think there are bones on the ceiling and I wasn't sure. And oh, now okay. I just confidently said it. Right. 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 So okay. I think there are, I'm not totally sure. Definitely on the walls. Obviously. Um, I wrote that they're not arranged in the form of bodies or anything like they're not put together, but I wrote, but also not just silly Billy. I know I meant willy nilly. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, um, but there are patterns. So like skulls are grouped together a lot of times. Um, Ends of bones are stacked on top of each other. And that's something that I found interesting. I guess as much as I had thought about it or I just assumed, I thought that they were bones kind of laying flat against existing walls. Yeah. Looking at pictures, you can tell they are making existing walls out of bones. So they're like thick areas where it's like a femur or whatever. And they're stacked on top of each other rather than being like Perpendicular against the wall wow. or parallel against the wall. I right. Mean. Um, so, yeah. So, there are lots of decorative displays made and patterns like hearts and circles. And they seem to often use skulls as accent pieces because they're, you know, there's one skull in the body and then lots of like straight bones. The skull is really the main like round one or only big round one. Um, so, they're kind of like accent pieces. <laughs>
1: Something funny. I mean, going it's just like it, it, I just imagine being in some sort of an anatomy class, and the professor <laughs> the going like, one. "Yeah, this is the big round one,
0: the main round one."
1: Now, the skull. Now, this is a very fascinating <laughs> one, and I want to tell you why. You know, it's big and round, and there's and get this, there's only one of it. <laughs> we
0: each only have one. So,
1: <laughs> the skull is the face of the bones. <laughs> yeah. You might say. You might consider it something of a tree topper of the Bone World.
0: You know, I call the skull the face of the bones. Looking around the classroom (laughs) to see if they like it. Nobody reacts. Teacher's
1: first and last day. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um this is kind of crazy to me. There's a big pillar of bones in the catacombs that looks like a barrel, like this big thing and it actually acts as a support beam for the ceiling, what? which is scary to me. Yeah. I mean it's not the only one, but um this in the ceiling in that area. And um
1: sorry. Okay. Paging Dr. Lecter. <laughs> yeah strange it sounds like something out of hannibal
0: i know it's huge i mean it's very big so it could kind of like hold up a ceiling a little bit and that area that it's in is known as the crypt of the passion oh or the tibia rotunda whoa i know that's both of those are pretty hannibal lectory.
1: both great names
0: absolutely Um, so you can tour the catacombs, but at one point they did have to close it for two months in 2009 because of vandalism and theft of the bones, which is not surprising, you know, if you think about it, Uh, I think it's cool, but I'm not, No,
1: unfortunately it's not surprising. Right. May as well take some nondescript bones home who cares
0: teenagers being
1: like yeah
0: um and when they reopened it they tightened up the security and they started doing bag checks on the way out to make sure you haven't taken bones so bleak (laughs) i know yeah it's so weird to me so this is something i knew nothing about and it is so so sweet So there are people who call themselves cataphiles who are all about going down and exploring the areas of the catacombs that aren't open to the public. Um, And they're like – these people are like very respectful and they're not like dumb, dumb vandals who are just going and like stealing bones or whatever. Um, They're usually on the younger side, people who are into this. I think that's mainly because of physical dexterity. I'm sure there are people who are into this but don't actually go into the catacombs for various reasons, fear – Physical stuff, whatever. But the people who are like squeezing into tight areas and stuff are usually younger. Um, and they access the parts of the catacombs that aren't available to the public through manholes. Oh. I know, which is crazy. And they are cataloged and tracked by fellow cataphiles who communicate with each other, I assume, online and sort of like point out, this one is open, this one is open, this one's sealed, whatever, to keep everybody up to date on entry points because it can change sometimes because – they're monitoring these things, the cataphiles, but the police are monitoring them too because it's not legal to be doing this. These people aren't doing anything like deliberately harmful, but I'm sure it's dangerous mm-hmm. liability stuff. Just the reasons that cops, you know, keep you down yeah, yeah, to keep you safe, right. you know, whatever. But so they will, cops, when they find out about these covers that lead, have like a good path into the man, into the catacombs, will like seal them up so that people can't get into them. Because I'm sure it's not just respectful cataphiles using these things. I'm, oh, sure, I'm the sure dumbasses yeah. are also. So using them oh, to yeah.
1: go down there. But still, doesn't it stink when Johnny Law stops you from crawling into a hole in the ground?
0: Look, which of us, who among us hasn't been there?
1: It's like they have their own Marauder's Map.
0: It really is. You know? Yeah, that's a really good way to put Mr.
1: it. Mr. Filch blocked off the, yeah. the manhole on 23rd and Main.
0: Guys, Mrs. Norris is down by the manhole on Le Bleu. Get Le. out of there now! <laughs> It's only a matter of time before Filch finds out. You've got a Snape on your six. Run! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so even when you find those manhole places that lead down to the catacombs, it's risky because you might go down into one of them. But if the police find out about it while you're down there, you might not be able to go back up. The way that you came in.
1: I hadn't thought of that. I
0: hadn't either. So even going down there, you have to have an intricate knowledge of that tunnel system because if you can't go back out that way, it's not like there's cell phone access and Wi-Fi down there for you to look up an alternate route. You kind of have to know where you can go on your own. Yeah. So you really have to be like seriously into this if you want to be smart about it and go down there. Um, But besides just kind of getting lost and and having a hard time getting back up the way that you came in, there's very little risk of hurting yourself down there in the, you know, way of like – rocks falling on you or anything like that it it really never happens and there's only one death that's been attributed to any sort of collapse of the catacombs and it happened in 1793 so this guy now is kind of like a patron saint of the cataphiles um like a what not to do sort of figure even though he wasn't a cataphile himself he wasn't somebody who was going down in there because he had like a reverence and excitement about it This is just kind of like a scamp who thought he had like something that he could get into there was a guy named philip Phili- philibert asper
1: that's a great name
0: philibert aspert for you know okay so you can have an idea of what i'm trying to say basically um so he heard a rumor that there was a secret stash of alcohol down there below a convent and he went down there with a candle to try to find it to bring it back up and he was found dead they think 11 years after he went down there steps from an exit that he could have left with a liquor bottle in his hand
1: Wow! So they
0: kind of acknowledge Philibert Asper as like a a kind of a kindred spirit in a way, even though he didn't have the same respect, but a, a fellow traveler.
1: Bit of a treasure hunter. Of,
0: yeah, they kind of do a little tip of the cap too, and and imagine that he's maybe a presence down
1: well, there. Well, he got he got his treasure.
0: He certainly did. I don't know if he got to enjoy it.
1: No, well... They,
0: uh, what I read didn't mention if that bottle was full or not.
1: I would assume it. I would assume that he would have would been, assume. like, before he died, been yeah. like, well, I may as well drink this if I'm not leaving. Yeah, but
0: maybe what if he's, like, you know, incapacitated so he couldn't do it or something?
1: Maybe. You know? Yeah, I don't know. That's, like, that's like um, careful what you you wish for you might just get it
0: yeah that's true. you know like he
1: went down there to get his treasure he got it he but sure he got it couldn't but get out
0: yeah it's like uh making a wish of the of a tricky genie sure who wiggles out of it with some sort of technicality yeah yeah so um but you know the risk of those entries closing is like kind of low anyway Like, you know, the police are on it, but they're not so, so on it. It's, like, not a huge priority, it doesn't seem like. And there is a dedicated task force of police for the catacombs, but it's rumored to be, like, less than five full-time police officers. So they're not, like, super duper on it. So when people do get down there, um, they, they like chill out and just kind of either go solo or they, they socialize and hang out together. Um, cause it's kind of, it's peaceful, like those areas that aren't, um, full of bones. I mean, maybe those are for some people too, but the areas that aren't full of bones are just these tunnels and stuff. So they're quiet, they're peaceful. It's kind of a nice temperate temperature. If a little damp, I read, which okay. sounds gross to me. Yep. Um, it's isolated, obviously, and it's got kind of like a romantic historical vibe down there. Um, so there are groups that create really awesome art down there that, again, you can Google and look up. Um, there are carvings of gargoyles, carvings of castles, like cool kind of – um like railings basically carved out of the limestone, mosaics made with tiles on the walls. There are fountains, other sculptures. It is super, super neat. Um, and these aren't generally spots that are on official tours. So if you want to go check them out, you kind of have to know somebody who knows somebody To bring you down there and see them. Um, And then you also kind of have to fight for it because it's not like you just like go into a manhole and then you're like in a beautiful like limestone art gallery. You're still going to probably have to walk through thigh high water, really slim passages, uneven ground, and for depending on what you want to go see, tunnels that you have to like scooch through. Nope no way Jose not in a million years I saw a picture of a person's just like feet hanging out of a tunnel that looked like it was just the width of their body and I was like no absolutely not no way um, but there are also people who maybe aren't like these respectful, um, like intellectual cataphiles who also want to go down there and get lit AF. Right. So they'll go down there and they have to go through the whole kind of process to get to stuff too. Um, but for this, you especially definitely have to go through these squeezy tunnels and you can hit unmapped pools of water to go swimming in that they refer to as impromptu swimming pools. And one of them is apparently like this really big reservoir of water down there
1: don't you get there through the sewer i
0: don't understand i don't understand
1: i'm not sure i wonder if like if the sewer is what i'm imagining a sewer to be where it's sort of uh man-made uh pipes and stuff like that i wonder if there's like a way to get out of the like constructed sewer and into the catacombs area which is safe from all the sewage
0: I don't understand how this is like clean, beautiful water in the catacombs. Yeah. I don't get it. Maybe. When I think of underground water, I'm not thinking of something that I want to dip my head under.
1: No, not at all. No. I, I, let alone. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to walk in the thigh deep portion, let alone oh. be swimming around in it. I know. I don't know. It does make me think of Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, uh, last the pool crusade. The water.
0: The last crusade.
1: <laughs> Indiana Jones and the dip in the pool mm-hmm. where he uh, goes underground in Venice to find the the tomb of an old uh, knight. Yeah. And then he comes up through the sewer in Venice and it's like, oh, this was all existing under the city. Right. It's so funny. I don't know. It, it Like that was distinct from sewage.
0: I know. I don't understand. Yeah. Because also, like, you know, even in movies and stuff, if they're, you know, there are a million movies where people are, like, in in sewers and everything. And then, like, you know, somebody turns on the water and it's like, yeah. It's clean water in those movies.
1: True. You yeah. know? so. I do love the idea of, like, a secret thing under.
0: I do, too. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it, but I'm claustrophobic enough that uh-huh. I would never in a million years. I don't even like the idea of going into a cave or something like mm. that too far. It's just too... I don't know. Depends on how
1: squeezy. We went into an ice cave in Iceland, and it was it wasn't big. Could, yeah, it was kind of small, but like there was enough room for twenty people, which is great. I think great.
0: it's the depth of the cave that would freak me out too. Like you, yeah, like I saw the pictures of yours. It didn't look like it was you were no, it was going not in deep super at all. far. No. I wouldn't want to go into something where it's like very far and like really underground or anything like that. It freaks me out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that.
0: Yeah, um. So this is so cool, and I love it. In, and this is kind of a, a totally different animal from everything else we've talked about. Maybe not totally different, but mostly. Um, in 2004, there were police doing training exercises in an uncharted part of the catacombs. And they came across a sign that said, building site, no access. And they were like, what the hell is this? Because it's like an area where nobody is supposed to be. They go a little bit further in and then they see a security camera. They're like, what the hell is this? Also like electricity, what? As they get closer, a recording of dogs barking is triggered. No way. They keep going, and they come into a cavern with a fully equipped movie theater, a projector and everything, equipped to seat 20 with a handful of films on hand um, from noir classics to newer thrillers for the time, a fully stocked bar a dining room, a series of kind of like restaurant rooms with tables and chairs. Plus, there was professionally installed electricity and three telephone lines. They were completely confused about the whole thing. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're they're surprised that there's such a sophisticated operation going on and particularly confused about the electricity. It's right. like, how is this happening? So they leave. Three days later, they come back with experts from the French Board of Electricity to try to figure out where the power is coming from. Mm. And they find the power cord cut and a note lying on the floor that says, do not try and find us. No
1: way. Isn't
0: that awesome? So if you look online, you can find who did this. There's like a group. I'm choosing just for the fun of it. Not that I think I'm like really protecting an- anonymity because you can Google it. I'm choosing for the fun of it not to say the group's name because I love that it's a thing. Um, but... It's said that it might be this group that has been active since the early 80s in France that hosts invite-only activities. The invites only go to other people who are interested in this sort of thing. Maybe they're just like other groups and maybe it's cataphiles and and people who are into doing this kind of like – secretive stuff in abandoned places um, and places that are technically public, but large unused spaces. So they've done a lot of restorations to different areas. They um, obviously did this in the catacombs. They did something at a clock tower um, supposedly that the government chooses not to do just because of lack of funds and like, why do it? And they basically sound awesome, but it's highly secretive.
1: Why am I not part of any I know. secret groups like this? I know. It seems like the point of this was nothing more than to climb in a cool hole and yeah. watch like along came a spider.
0: Yes. Great. William, that is so weird.
1: I'm sorry. What did I, what did I do? What have I done?
0: that is exactly a movie that i had in mind when i was writing about um you know how there are like noir thrillers and more recent classics i was like all right 2004 so i probably had like a long game spider down there maybe the bone collector that's so
1: weird (laughs) that's so weird
0: (laughs) i know (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) i deliberately picked a long game of spider versus saying kiss the girls too
0: (laughs) because it's the sequel to it so it might be closer to 2004
1: not even that it just it just seemed more More obscure obscure yeah it's like weirder yeah exactly (laughs)
0: Yeah, to, w- to watch like you know, really sweet classic movies like *Along Came a Long Game of Spider*. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> that's awesome.
0: <laughs> I know. So that is what I'm ending with because I love that. Oh, I love that. That is Paris *Do Not Catacomb Try to stuff. Find Us*. I know.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we doing this? I don't. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to trespass. But why don't we a have?
0: I don't know if that's happening here.
1: Like a secret get-together. Because thing.
0: the thing is, have you heard about like, oh, somebody's restored the old clock tower of West Windsor? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's happening.
1: I don't care about that part so much. I think I think it's interesting to like sort of like respect the yeah. um, the architectural history of places or to go to interesting spots and and revere the place that you're in. Mm-hmm. But seriously, it seems like functionally what they end up doing is watching a movie yeah. together. Totally. All right, see you next week.
0: Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, we could go somewhere and watch The Skeleton Key. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Sure, I have. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Kate Hudson? Yeah. yeah. It's not. No. Mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we need a, we need a venue. We need to I own a, need venue a venue with a screen. Yeah. yeah, that would rule. That'd be great. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, Kristen, you mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. What of making a wish from an evil genie? How perfectly you'd have to phrase it so your wish could not be misinterpreted, uh, perhaps uh, corrupted.
0: By a trickster genie. Yes. Yes.
1: Kristen, tonight on the show, I'm going to talk to you all about the monkey's paw.
0: Oh. That has been coming up, and I really don't know a lot about it.
1: Mm. Well, I'm here to help. Okay. How has it been coming up?
0: I saw something about it today. There's a movie, The Room... Okay. That has something to do with the monkey's paw. She's talking
1: about the Tommy Wiseau? No. Oh hi doggy. No. I
0: I think it's I think oh, it the has dog a doggy's Hems- paw. That's it. I think it has a Hemsworth in it. Let me see.
1: Huh, okay. The
0: room. I'm you also aware of the, and isn't there up.
1: also the Bree Larson like upsetting
0: Yes, that's just called room.
1: Oh, okay. The room. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but regardless the monkey's paw. Okay.
0: This is on bloody disgusting today. First look at the room, which, which sounds like a new take on monkey's paw. Really? Yep. Yeah. Starring Liam Hemsworth, who controversial opinion is my favorite Hemsworth. Is that right? I think he's hotter than Chris Hemsworth. Interesting. Um, I'll just read this real quick if you don't mind. Sure. Go for it. Um, filming is underway on the room, a new thriller being directed by blah, blah, blah. Let's see in the film. Oh, well, I would like
1: to know who's directing
0: it. Okay. Um, I just didn't want to bore anybody. It's being directed by Christian Volkman of Renaissance and stars Olga Kurilenko and Kevin Janssens, who can be seen in Revenge. Wait, is this not and a Kevin Hemsworth? James. Oh, this isn't a Hemsworth. Oh, okay. Never mind. Does it, doesn't this look a little bit like Liam Hemsworth to you?
1: I, I don't know what I'm looking at. The guy. Oh, the guy? Yeah, I guess.
0: Huh. All right. So it's it's those people. Okay. In the film... Kate and Matt are a young couple in their thirties, in search of a more authentic and healthy life. They leave the city to move into an old house in the middle of nowhere. Soon, they discover a secret hidden room that has the extraordinary power to materialize anything they wish for. Their new life becomes a true fairy tale. They spend days and nights indulging their every desire of material possession, swimming in money and champagne. Yet beneath this apparent state of bliss, something darker lurks. Some wishes can have dire consequences. That room could very well turn their dream into a nightmare when it gives them what they've been waiting for that's when it gives them what they've been waiting forever and that nature was denying them
1: it's oh. written a little wrong but yeah <laughs> nature's been denying me lately
0: well I'm assuming maybe it's a kid
1: I wanted acorns and <laughs> the tree I climbed <laughs> had
0: none alright it's probably a baby
1: probably a baby yeah. it's, just
0: it's gonna be a baby's on bad
1: <laughs> yeah bad baby yeah <laughs> All right. Well, the monkey's paw is sort of central to that idea. We said mm-hmm. it just before. Be careful; you might get what you wish for. Right. You make a wish; it gets uh, 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 fulfilled. Fulfilled, but uh, in a in a twisted way. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, one of the classic in the examples twisted of this mind of genie. Yeah. One of the classic examples of this would be you know I wish for a million dollars. Yeah. And uh, then the way that you get the million dollars. Brings, like, the government on you. Right, being right, like, Where'd you get this money? So it's like, yeah, ah, you got what you wanted, but it turned out to be more of a curse than right. a blessing. Um, I tend to lump this in with sort of the greater idea of uh, characters getting punished for things in horror movies. Uh-huh. You know, like in um, – uh, I, I think of it most in terms of like Freddy Krueger but I think it happens with a lot of characters in slasher movies and stuff where there will be a character who is, you know, uh, uh, very sort of classic dream warriors Freddy Krueger. Yeah. There's a character who's a recovering drug addict and uh, she gets the drugs that she wishes she could use and right. it kills her. Right. Um, and so it's all sort of like twisting your aspirations back on you. Mm-hmm. I first encountered this kind of story um, in a book called The Wish Giver. Okay. That I read when I was a little kid. Uh, A character named Rowena wishes that Henry Piper, a traveling salesman she's infatuated with, will, quote, set down roots in town and never leave again. The wish is fulfilled word for word. Henry's feet become literally rooted to the ground and he gradually transforms into a sycamore tree. Oh, my God. I read this book. In like elementary school and it That's scared freaky. the hell out of me. This was one of the books that I would take out of the library as uh-huh. frequently as Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. Specifically because of this story. I think there was a moment in this Damn. story where Henry is turning into a tree and he starts to cry. Oh my God. And like the the tears like drop on the roots that were his feet, and then he can't cry anymore. Oh. And, he, and people, he, like, watches people, like, grow in age, but he's just stuck as a tree. It scared the hell That's out
0: of him That's upsetting. Yeah.
1: Uh, Rowena finds out that Henry never really liked her. Oh, God. But only pretended to do so, uh, so that her father would buy more of his items. He was a salesman. She also develops a liking for the family's farmhand, Sam Waxman, who helps her throughout <laughs> okay. the situation with Henry.
0: Oh, man. So, All right, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad she at least finds some... I-, I assume that Sam Waxman likes her?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Who cares what happens to Rowena? She doomed this yeah, man.
0: that's true. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Rowena. Rowena has a happy ending with yeah. Sam Waxman, the yeah. family farmhand. This guy is just wrong place, wrong time, kind of, Henry right? Piper
1: gets turned into a tree for no reason. He didn't even like her.
0: That's what I'm saying. He, she just happened <laughs> to have a crush on him, so she ruined his yeah, life. Just
1: turned him into a tree. So yes. I, essentially, what I'm going to tell you about, I went through pop culture history and mm-hmm. came up with all the notable times yeah. that a wish was made and it turned back on the wishmaker in a way they did not expect. Very good. Very good. 1953, Tales from the Crypt in a story called Wish You Were Here. A wife and husband close to financial ruin discover a figurine that will grant three wishes to whoever possesses it. She wishes to win a fortune. Riches, Kristen. Sure. When her husband goes to collect the money they've won, he dies in a car accident along the way. Uh. She receives a fortune from his life insurance.
0: See, you got to be very careful with your
1: phrasing. For her second wish, she wishes that he would come back to life just as he was before the car accident. However, she didn't know that he died of a heart, ac- uh, heart attack. So when he comes back to life, he has the heart attack and dies again. Oh, God. <laughs> this time, she wishes for him to come back to life and live forever. But she's too late. He's already been embalmed.
0: Oh. God. He
1: comes back to life in horrible pain. She tries to kill him to put him out of his misery, but work. due to her wish, he is immortal. She has cursed her husband to live forever in eternal agony.
0: See, if you're going to make a wish like this when you know that they're twisting your words already, that you have to make that wish so long. Then sentence is going to be so long and have so many caveats. Yeah,
1: yeah, without a doubt. I already looked up uh, – I tried to see, like, does anybody have an example yeah, the of perfect. the perfect wish? Yeah. And it's like reading a contract. I didn't yeah. even get to the end of it. It was, It's was unbearable. Um, so now we fast forward seven years to The Twilight Zone in 1960. In the story, of The Man in the Bottle. Mm-hmm. Here, we see it move from a figurine that was capable of making wishes. This story is the first one that I've got where it is a genie. Cool. Uh, the man wishes for a million dollars. The IRS takes it all. He wishes to be in a position of great power, to be the leader of a modern and powerful country in which he cannot be voted out of office. He has turned into Adolf Hitler oh during God. the last days of World War II. <laughs>
0: Yikes. What, 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 what?
1: I can't believe I got my wish. <laughs> the story should end just there. Like bada bum ba da <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> oh he's, my God. he's rushed by his troops to hide in a bunker and they give him a cyanide tablet. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes for his old life back. He learns to love. Is that the
0: third wish? Yeah. Yeah.
1: He learns to love what he already has. Is had. he all good? Nothing. Yeah, he's fine.
0: <laughs> Does he wake up in his old life? He's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh. thank God, feeling my for his mustache. My upper lip yeah. has gone bare. Yeah.
1: Thank heavens.
0: Everything's the way it was.
1: His upper lip is cold again, <laughs> and yet he enjoys his humble life outside the Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, now we fast forward uh, 23 years. Stevie King ah, has a nice idea. Of course he does. And he settles down to write Pet Cemetery.
0: Oh. Now, oh, okay.
1: I wasn't expecting to come across Pet Cemetery when yeah. I was researching this topic. However, it came up everywhere that I looked up The Monkey's Paw right. concept, and it it holds true to the idea. This time there's not a figure that you're making a wish from. This time you don't have a magical figurine that can grant your wishes. Mm-hmm. This time it's about sort of um Grief, yeah. Pet Cemetery, and there's a, there's a modern remake. I just saw it mm-hmm. on Friday with Alan. Sometimes
0: Allie. dead is better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was a great Lithgow. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, I've
0: been doing it so. I wonder if much. I can do a monster. I do you know, I've and I've been talking about seeing Pet Cemetery for yeah. like ever since it came out. Every time we talk about it, which has been a lot, I say that.
1: Let's see if we can compare our Judd clumpet impression. Okay, I think that's his name. I'm not sure. I think you're right. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs>
0: That's pretty good. That's sometimes dead is better.
1: Well, no, you gotta do your Lithgo. Oh, you're up against my Munster. Oh,
0: I see what you're saying. Sometimes dead is better.
1: Better, Better. yeah. You're he really
0: sometimes dead is better. (laughs) You did did a really good job. (laughs) Thank you.
1: You'd be a good like Lithgo stand in. (laughs) Thank you. Say, you know, like Tom Hanks's brother does the voice of uh, his characters in video games and stuff. No, you didn't know this. No, Tom Hanks's brother, I think Jim Hanks. Get out of here. Is a vocal match to Tom Hanks. And so if they make like a Toy Story video game, Jim Hanks does it.
0: I did not know that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's so nice. You, you,
1: you can't tell the difference. If you listen to it and you're, you're trying to hear the difference, yeah. you can pick it up a little bit, yeah. but it's, it's like That's spot amazing. on. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so in, the, in John Lithgow, the video game, yeah. if he's busy – Right. You're oh, in? Call me. Okay.
0: Hello, Dexter Morgan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's about his career. And, and in that level, you're doing your first day on the set of Dexter. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So in Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. uh, we get a story of uh, things dying. You bury them in this ancient cemetery and they come back to life. But yeah. they come back to life Different. wrong. Yeah. Hold on to this. We're gonna we're gonna chart the history of how this kind of story, the monkey's paw, Uh has evolved over the course of time. This is one of the biggest uh, ones, I guess. It technically came up uh, in the original tales from the crypt. She wished her husband would come back uh, to life. Yeah, when he came back, he was in horrible pain because of the way that he died and having been embalmed. He's alive again, but he's been you know worked over by the mortician. Yeah, in Pet Cemetery. Mm the people that you bury, they come back and it's not them Mm -hmm. anymore. They were transported essentially to hell and something else comes back in the body. Right. There's a different passenger inside. The soul Mm -hmm. is not of the person that you loved. It's of something else. Yeah. Uh, And so even though you're able to bring your cat back
0: Right, it's not really your cat.
1: Yeah, and so a lot of the examples, there's a cat named Church mm-hmm. who dies. They bury the cat. It's a it really good back. cat name. Yeah, I actually,
0: honestly, like for like a scary story cat name, it's a really good name. Church. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I quite frankly, I mean, I've complained plenty about Stephen King stories. I did not uh, personally really enjoy the new movie. Yeah. Um, but the idea is so good.
0: It's a great idea that
1: I think I'm I'm ready to to read the book. I've never uh-huh. read it before.
0: I haven't either. I actually have the audio book, um, and it's it's um read by Michael C. Hall from Dexter. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: But I haven't actually listened to it yet.
1: I have to bury my cat. <laughs> um,
0: I can't believe this happened. <laughs>
1: <gasps> <laughs> yeah, but so uh, like in the in the uh, whatever, we'll we'll move on from Pet Cemetery because there's just too much to okay. dig into about Pet Cemetery lore okay. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. There was obviously the first movie in 1989. Then there was a sequel that came out in 1992, yeah. I believe, with uh, Edward Furlong, and of course uh-huh. the remat the Remak the, the remac. Re- remake just this year with uh, John Lithgow. Yeah, uh, and sometimes dead is better. Mm-hmm. Don't go chasing after that person that right. that you've lost the grief that you are suffering with is the way things are intended yeah, it's to natural. be yeah it's natural and if you tried to defy this sort of natural order mm-hmm. um you're going to well you you're going to get what's coming yeah. to you
0: right essentially did, did we say how they come back just in case people don't know that i don't think they're so.
1: buried there's a pet cemetery literally four pets but that's not the burial ground that that Ha- results in this sort of magic. Uh-huh. The pet cemetery is just where kids buried their pets. Yeah. There is an older cemetery further in the woods beyond the pet cemetery. An old Micmac burial ground. Could
0: is that in the movie and the I mean the old movie and the book too, or is that one of the things they changed for nope. the new one? Okay.
1: Nope. That was always the case. Okay. Uh and the things that you bury there, they They'll come back. They come back. Yeah. They come home, but they're not the way they they were originally. Yeah. Um uh-huh. so now let's get a little more uh, kid friendly mm-hmm. 1992 are you afraid of the dark yeah the tale of the twisted claw
0: yes this is a classic
1: this is a very episode. classic yeah a uh, bunch of kids uh, break into an old lady's house and, and they shatter a vase of hers mm-hmm. uh, and she gets a wry idea for how to get back at them I'm pretty yeah. sure she looks at the camera and, and winks <laughs> she gifts to them an old vulture claw don't worry it's wooden <laughs> I feel like they wanted it to just be a vulture call, and they were like, hey, "Yeah, they couldn't. Too scary. Pull it could... off. Yeah. yeah, They weren't allowed to show that on TV, so they had to get a wooden right. one. You know, whatever."
0: Also, that lady is lucky they actually took it. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess you would take it because you want to be polite to the,
1: you know, the, right. the old lady. I think lady you're whose cursed with broke. it once you once you get it, basically. Yeah,
0: but like it, she's gifting it to them. You'd be like, "Okay, what?"
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, so the first wish is that uh, man, can we just go home? I'm sick of trick or treating. Yeah, and then a bunch of no good. Bad kids steal their, you know, pillowcases full of a, full of Snickers,
0: <laughs> Charleston shoes, and they
1: have no choice but to just go home. Yeah, wish fulfilled. Second wish is that uh, one of them would win a race, so the other one trips, they hurt their oh. ankle. Kids <laughs> show gentle. All right, now here's the here's the the good stuff. Uh, they don't know what to do. They're in over their heads. Mm-hmm. They go, you know what? I wish Grandpa was here. He would know what to do. Uh oh. Grandpa died years ago. Uh oh. Just then, a car pulls up in the driveway. It's grandpapa's car. Yeah. They are panicking because <laughs> grandpa's home. But it's not a good thing grandpa's home. for grandpa to be home. Grandpa's not supposed to be home. Right. Uh, and as they are uh, hearing you know, the sound of footsteps coming up to the front door, they finally wish that they had never broken that vase in the first place. Uh huh. When they go to the door, it's their parents'. Not grandpa. Yeah. Thank God he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, I, I mean, I'm laughing about that, but I truly find that frightening. That
0: is really scary. Yeah.
1: All right, it completely is. The X Files in the year 2000. This is an episode called Je Suis. Mm. I don't know how to pronounce it.
0: French stuff, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Cool. F- written and directed by Vince Gilligan of Breaking yep. Bad. Not only that, this is his directorial debut.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a genie again.
0: Could it be? Could it be Je Suis? You know what I mean? Oh, maybe me it is. Just sweet. Like in Muzzy.
1: I don't know how you say just sweet or how you uh, spell it.
0: I bet not. I feel like just sweet is probably like S-U-I-T. And right, that yeah. is a whole bunch of letters. A whole bunch
1: of letters, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now je we're suis. back to a...
0: Just la jeune vie These children aren't French. <laughs> They're American. They're
1: American. All <laughs> right. We're back to a genie. Yeah. Giving you the wish. A guy... Uh, uh, wishes that his boss would shut up and leave him alone. His boss's mouth is erased. Uh-huh. He oh. wishes he had a boat.
0: Real quick, do you know the context? Like, how did this happen? in Oh, X it's files? like it's like, like
1: a whole schlemiel and a schlemazel. Yeah. He like unwraps a carpet, and a lady was in it. Okay. Yeah, it's like <laughs> And that's
0: the genie. It, yes. Okay.
1: It's I, I'm deliberately. That's all I need to know. All right, that's all I need to know. Fair I just enough. wanted to
0: know where the genie came from. Yeah.
1: Okay. He wishes he had a boat. She gives him one, but she doesn't put it in the water. He can't move it. He's he's he has to pay taxes on it. I know it's a. I know.
0: Not that he gets it, but there's like a hole in it or something. He has to pay taxes on it. Yeah, that's it's similar like to most... being like I
1: wish I was rich, and the money gets taken away by I the IRS. I know, but
0: it's like it's more I don't know detailed I think, and mundane.
1: Well, you know how the you know how the X Files sometimes had scary episodes and sometimes they were light yes. and frothy and funny. Yeah, I think that's what this. Was. I would assume. So this is you know the mishaps of making wishes. Yeah. He then wishes that he can turn invisible. He's hit by a car when he's crossing the street because nobody gets to see him. Oh Within the episode, it suggested that both Richard Nixon and Benito Mussolini
0: fell victim to this genie's wishes. And- yeah.
1: <laughs> Isn't that weird?
0: <laughs> I think you and I are both on record as not loving it when they do weird historical retcons yeah. of like real life things. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a
1: little strange to yeah. me. Um uh, all right. Now the next person that that runs afoul of the genie is the brother of the first guy. Okay. All right. He asks for his brother to be brought back to life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His brother is brought back when in a decayed state. Uh oh. He then asks, he can't talk or anything. He's just a, a, a sort of like standing dead guy. Yeah. He asks that his uh, brother be given the ability to talk again. His brother starts screaming at the top of his lungs that he's cold. Uh, Terrifying. God. He then blows up the house. Trying to light the stove to get warmer. <laughs> okay. Killing them both. All right.
0: So, did he come back as, you know, like a decayed cold person and a dumbass?
1: Yeah. <laughs> dumb, dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Now, Mulder is, for whatever reason, hanging out with of the course, jar. He yeah. finds out that she's cursed. Uh huh. She had made a wish to another genie that she'd be be, into become like all powerful. Yeah. And she's cursed to do this forever and get trapped in stuff like carpets rather (laughs) than being stuck in a lamp. She was stuck in a carpet. Fun. She got stuck in stuff. Yeah. Now it's Mulder's turn to make wishes.
0: Couldn't he just not?
1: Mulder wishes. He's going to
0: free her or something. Hold on. Hold
1: on. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. Sorry. Mulder wishes for peace on earth. How do you think it gets corrupted? Should have been doing this the whole time. How do you think these wishes get created? Yeah, I know. I don't know. The human population is wiped out except for uh, David Duchovny. His second wish is to undo it. Uh-huh. For his third wish, he starts furiously writing out all the particulars, all the clauses, how to make a perfect wish, whatever. Yeah. And then Scully makes him see the error of his ways and realizes that the powers of a genie should not be used to force people to be good.
0: We have free will.
1: So he ultimately wishes for the genie to be set free. Did you see that coming? Yes. Whoa. You're really cool. All right. Let's get back to spooky. Okay. And we're going to wrap this up in a second. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. You watched this show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a very- I was recently very... thinking
0: about doing a rewatch of that.
1: This, reading even does this. Because I was thinking this. about the
0: John Ritter episode the... and how sweet that was. Was the was, I mean, it Herter wasn't episode. just one episode. You remember he was Buffy's mom's boyfriend and he was like evil.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I know. Um, well, there's a very famous season arc or uh, arc in season five mm-hmm. where, be precise? Up, <laughs> where Buffy and Dawn's mom dies. Yeah. That and is wild. It is wild. And it's like one of it's the intense. most stunning displays yeah. of the grieving process ever done on television. Yes. Truly.
0: It it was a crazy thing for them to have done.
1: Yes. Yeah. In in a series where there are like dragons and immortal creatures.
0: It gets so real.
1: Their mom just dies. She just gets sick and Mm -hmm. dies. And while they're looking for people to blame for monsters that might have cursed her, killed her, whatever, the answer is no, no, no. Right. People die. Right. She's dead. She Mm -hmm. died. Uh, One of the subsequent episodes – Uh, It takes place around the mom's funeral, Joyce's funeral. Buffy's sister Dawn is obsessed with undoing this. Mm -hmm. She wants her mom back. And so she starts stealing witchcraft books from uh, Willow to try to bring Joyce back to life. And at the end of the episode, she finally uh, does one of the spells. After being warned not to meddle with uh, the barriers between the living and the dead, Mm -hmm. not to use magic for these darker purposes, It's not right. Right. She brings Joyce back to life. And there's this scene that absolutely terrified me of, of, uh, of Buffy and Dawn in their living room. And Buffy's like, what have you done? What have you done? And then you see the silhouette of their mom Mm -hmm. walking up the front path. Yeah. And going to the door and Buffy can't believe what she's seeing. How is this possible at all? And as she goes to the door, to open it to see her mom, Dawn realizes she's made a horrible mistake, right. and she's terrified of what's on the other side of the door. Yeah, it's
0: not really their mom.
1: So she undoes the spell, and when Buffy opens the door, and no one's there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like if you think about storytelling, especially horror storytelling, as uh, largely being metaphorical for real things that people go through. Yeah, this is like using obviously through going all of this history, a decades-old. Horror trope mm-hmm. to actually tell a very human story about grief, right, and the grieving process, yeah. and wishing that it could be undone, but ultimately having to accept that it can't, that it is the way that it is, right? Uh, truly powerful, yes. Like, honestly, yeah. I remember powerful. Remember that being storytelling.
0: A, a really, really intense and great, but like kind of gutting arc of episodes.
1: Gutting is absolutely right. it, yeah. it, it just like it. It, it like levels you a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's so – it's very heavy.
0: It's also just so yeah. out of left field in a way in yeah. Buffy because it's just so – well, not that other things aren't genuine, but it's genuine about something that is real world. So yeah. you just kind of – you're not used to feeling that during Buffy.
1: It's also incredible that like there's no other medium where you could really do that other than like serialized storytelling, episodic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Where it's yeah. like you can't have a movie where somebody – dies, and it's a it's not caused by the central conceit of the film, right. Like it's so powerful that like this is all a world of like, you know, immortal beings and magic and monsters and what, and then yeah. Well, oh, but we're just humans,
0: right? It wouldn't have the same impact if it was in something shorter. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Really, truly incredible. Probably yeah. some of the best like television that's been done is yeah. that. That story I think line. it's
0: regarded that way, kind yeah. of broadly too. Yeah.
1: So a few smaller other places where stuff like this has happened. There's an episode of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Mm-hmm. Homer Simpson gets the monkey's paw, and you know everything is going wrong. Whatever. Yeah. And he decides, like, oh, I know how to get rid of this. He gives it to Flanders to curse. Flanders, hey diddly doodly, he's gonna curse that guy. <laughs> Whatever, uh, every wish that Flanders makes is perfect. It's like
0: <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs>
1: Goes off of that head. He's
0: so pure of heart. I'm yeah. sure that they just come out exactly right.
1: Yeah, it's that's like a,
0: they're unco- He's uncorruptible.
1: Yes. His wishes are even uncorruptible. Yeah, 100. He probably just wished for like you know like a yummy lunch, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a nutritious a yeah. nutritious lunch. <laughs> there was no curse aspect. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh uh the movie Bedazzled.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my god, that's right.
1: With Brendan, Brendan Frazier, Fraser, which is a uh, remake of the movie Bedazzled with yes. uh donkey Houser. What's his name? I don't Dudley know. Dudley Moore.
0: Oh right, Dudley Moore. Yes.
1: Um but in the uh donkey In the Brendan Fraser Bedazzled
0: mm. uh, with Elizabeth Hurley as the w- devil.
1: Yep. It was uh, evidently a showcase for Brendan Fraser's comedic chops. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he wishes to be rich and powerful, and he's turned into, like, a drug kingpin. He's doing a lot of
0: character work. lot in Bedazzled. of character
1: work mm-hmm. in Bedazzled. And um, I found out the most startling thing about Bedazzled I found out today is that it it's good. Directed by Harold Ramis. Oh. Isn't
0: that, that shocking? Is, yeah, that's surprising. I found
1: it, I found it personally shocking. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's a horror series called The Wishmaster mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, there's like an evil, it's a djinn, yeah, a D-J-I-N-N, yeah. the djinn, and he will corrupt your wishes and kill you that way. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. All right. So, <laughs> that sounds right. So I just told you about like how like this has been a recurring motif in storytelling f- since the beginning of- Yes. You know, like, storytelling. Yeah. Film, TV. But where did it start, Kristen? Where did it start? Good
0: question.
1: Yeah. We have to go back to the beginning. Okay. The Monkey's Paw is a creation of the English author W.W. W. Jacobs. Okay. The Monkey's Paw was a short story published in a book of short stories called um, The Lady of the Barge. Okay. Here is the original tale of The Monkey's Paw. Having just seen how this was riffed on mm-hmm. in, in dozens of pop culture shows and movies, here's the original. Sweet. The short story is about Mr. and Mrs. White and their adult son, Herbert. A friend of Mr. and Mrs. White's who served in the British Army in India tells them about his horrific experiences with this, the wish-granting monkey paw. He throws it into the fire. Mr. White retrieves it. Okay. Their son, Herbert, suggests for their first wish, they wish for 200 buckaroonies mm. to help make the final mortgage payment on their house. This by the way the is time. in 1902. Yeah. <laughs> for the record. The next day Herbert leaves for work at the local factory. He is killed in a terrible machinery accident. He is mangled. Although his employer denies responsibility for the accident, the firm has decided to make a goodwill payment to the family of the deceased. The payment is of course for $200. $200. Yep. 10 days later, Mrs. White, mad with grief, insists they use the monkey's paw again to wish Herbert back to life. The cemetery where Herbert was buried is about two miles away. Upon making the wish, it takes an hour for Herbert to find his way back home. About an hour. (laughs) He's not doing too good, Kristen. (laughs) There's a knock at the door. As Mrs. White fumbles with the locks in a desperate attempt to open the door, Mr. White, terrified of quote the thing outside, retrieves the paw to make his third wish, and the knocking suddenly stops. Hmm. It's Mrs. A bit White, of Buffy. Mrs. White opens the door to find no one there.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's the original story. Yeah. of the monkey's paw, and huh. it sort of encapsulates everything. Yes. That would later be uh, uh, riffed on from mm-hmm. it. It's all about it's all about trying to attain material wealth yep. and finding mm-hmm. out that the way that you get it wasn't worth it mm-hmm. in the first place. And all of them, they're all in some way about trying to undo death. Yeah. Which is, I mean, needless to say, and this is such a ridiculous thing to say, but it's one of the most, uh, uh, you know, they say there's two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Mm -hmm. This is both. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Right? The story of the monkey's paw is about the things that we can't change about our world try as we might. Yeah, and the fact that even if you were somehow able to, it wouldn't have been worth it in the first place. Right, leave it alone. It's about That's awesome. It's about coming to terms with things that you can't change.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of comforting in a weird way. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a weird like fable. Yeah, that you could look to for some sort of moral compass. Yeah, and so yeah. in
1: that way, I mean, why it, it's so it's so sort of unsurprising that this seems to have. Latched on to like the collective psyche, yeah, of like mankind. Like, this I guess it
0: speaks some sort of innate desire. Yes, in all of us, it
1: comes back again. Yeah, it always comes back. We all, we, you know, our lifespan's so short. There's, we're always going to be replaced by new humans who right. are going to be struggling with the very same stuff. Yeah, and so this story needs to continue to be retold.
0: That's right, and so the wheel continues to turn. Isn't that crazy yeah, though? Truly, awesome.
1: it's like about. Yeah, it's like storytelling. Yes. Like, the need for storytelling in humans, the monkey's paw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. There you go. Yeah. And that it never gets old. The base of it is relatable, relatable to every single like new group of people who comes in. Every new generation is going to have those same sort of wishes and things that you ultimately learn can't be
1: changed. Yeah. And you can, you can modify aspects. You
0: can tell that story a bunch of different ways, but the base of it is always the same. Yes.
1: The underlying truth remains the same. Yeah. Can't change it. Yeah. Uh, it does not do to dwell on dreams,
0: mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, there you have it, the Monkey's Paw. That's awesome. I love it. I, I really, honestly like that. Like now, I want to read Pet Cemetery. I want to read.
0: Yeah, the stuff uh, like, that has Monkey's Paw
1: aspects. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so frightening. Totally. Yeah. It,
0: and also, you can, there's like a little aspect. Of mystery too, because if that's what you're going into, knowing that it's like that, you can be like, okay, so how are they going to twist this one?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, the idea of like trying to make a wish and yeah. it gets turned back on you. Yeah, Ultimately, like, it turns into the, the life and death question. Mm-hmm. But along the way, what would, yeah. Kristen, what's a, what's a wish? Your gut, your gut instinct right now, if you could make a wish, you can only make one. We'll keep it short. Uh, uh, I can grant you whatever wish you want.
0: Um, that I can do anything I want with my time. For the rest of my life.
1: Okay, you're uh, you're uh, you're trapped in a room without light, <laughs> like <laughs> without walls. You're outside of space and time.
0: Sure, you can do anything you want in yeah, there.
1: They, they do whatever you want in there. It won't yeah. affect anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's yours? Um, we all, all, all like my friends mm-hmm. and family. We all get to uh uh, uh live with no. Uh, need for money anymore.
0: Okay. So, how do we twist that? Let's see. Um, man, I'm trying to think of how you twist it.
1: Yeah. All of us, we get to like live yeah, in yeah, our yeah. own like community. We can still go well, visit the it, rest no. of society. Let's leave
0: it as what you just said. Okay. Let's not elaborate on it. Let's leave it as just that sense you said yeah, that we right. all get okay. to live without the need for money anymore. What could screw that up? We live and we don't need money yeah cuz
1: you could be like you're dead you don't need money. Yeah, right. Right.
0: I'm trying to think. That might be a good one.
1: Why wouldn't you need money but you're alive?
0: I know. I I can't think of anything. Even if you're like injured or you something, you know what like it that. might like, be? You still need yeah. money to pay for, you know, help or whatever. You
1: know what it might be? What? We're like the Swiss family Robinson. We're like lost. We're dropped on like a desert island. There's no money. There's no Yeah, maybe no society infrastructure. crumbles where yeah. there's
0: exactly there's no infrastructure anymore. Yeah. So we don't
1: need money. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it'd be something like that.
1: But money as a form of if you want to get even more pedantic, yes. money is currency. Yes. Currency exactly. is always valuable. That's, there's always stuff to trade or barter. Be something. Or, Just yeah. like
0: I was telling mom, I got really into watching uh, doomsday preppers. And they uh, – so it's like a reality show. I watched it on Netflix when we <laughs> Trade were in slim Canada. Slim Jims and stuff? Not Slim Jims, but coffee. Huh. Um, I was watch- – it's a reality show that was on Netflix. I don't know if it's on U.S. Netflix. It was on Netflix while we were in Canada because believe it or not, there were some different things, even just like using my account sure. but being somewhere else. Um, So I don't know if you can watch it here, but it's a reality show about people who, like, prep for end of times or whatever. And a lot of people stockpile coffee not just for themselves but as a a trade item.
1: That makes sense. That's so funny because that, like, goes back to, like, the original – like trading routes of the world, yes. it was all like spice and coffee yeah, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So yeah, even if we had that kind of like, if there was some sort of scenario where like, fine, don't need money, click, and we're in like a post-apocalyptic <sighs> yeah. world, like we'd still be probably using something.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think converted. We're always
0: going to resort to that.
1: I converted all my money into toys. <laughs> Bunch of stupid yeah, little ghost face toys.
0: I, I'm I'm pretty sure this Mario is gonna. Get us.
1: That's not just. (laughs) Like a
0: a good bag of rice.
1: That's not just any Mario. That's a 30th anniversary amiibo of pixelated Mario, Kristen.
0: Oh, that's what I said. Yeah. Idiot.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, That takes us to the end.
0: That's right. Of times. Of
1: another episode of Guide to the Unknown. You've been waiting for it all week. Uh Are you happy with what you got? (laughs) Yeah. Was it worth it? Let us know in the form of an iTunes review. That would be great. We're swiftly approaching 150.
0: Excellent.
1: Apple Podcast Reviews.
0: Excellent. Thank you, guys. Can
1: you believe it?
0: I can't believe it.
1: And now they let you see your average. We are a 4.6 out of 5 out of the, as of this recording. Yes. That's a good review. Oh, I want to bring goodness. that average up. Yeah. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on That'd Facebook, awesome. on Stitcher, wherever you'd like. Uh, we would greatly appreciate your feedback, yeah. your support. Um, it
0: dropped. When you were on your phone looking at something last week, it was 4.7. Oh, really? remember I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, maybe it is yeah. a 4.7 then. but maybe somebody left us a bad review and it dropped it. Maybe, maybe guys, we need your help to bring it
1: back up. Yeah. Yeah. Bring that sucker back up. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for hanging out with us and, uh, checking out the show. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to support us further, you can go to patreoncom slash GTTU pod to donate a little something back to us. You can also follow at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to sort of stay in our ecosystem and learn about horror stories throughout the week. Mm -hmm. All the news items that hit the feeds. Um, Join our secret society mm. over on facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod. Yep, you nailed it. Oh,
0: yeah, pretty good. it's a cool group. People share just like cool, horror-y stuff um in there here and there, like memes or news articles. I post a thread every week that invites people to talk about whatever they're into that week, so you can learn about some new things there it's
1: without cool. a doubt i love I love interacting with everybody that like checks out the show.
0: I do too, and I also love seeing them interact with each other,
1: yes, yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right also uh last week, we got like some some artwork done. By at Ugh. Bob Don Doodle on so Instagram. Awesome. I had told a story about uh, uh, being a kid and daydreaming about aliens. And then it scared my friend and we had to yes. go inside. At Bob Don Doodle on Instagram drew it as a comic and posted it. Amazing.
0: It's so sweet. They also doodled a, um, a Bigfoot the week yes, before that's that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun to see when you guys do stuff like that. So, if you ever do anything that's inspired by the show anyway, any way, whether it's art or like Amy from school to make some lesson plans from the show, anything like that, definitely please send it to us or tag us in it. So, we'd love to see it and we'll definitely share it.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, to that end, you can tag us in it individually.
0: That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram,
1: I am at The Myth Traveler. So, thank you all so much for hanging out with us for another episode of Guide to the Unknown. We'll be back next week with more spooky stories to share with each other and you. That's but right. until that time comes, we must travel.
0: Back to the Netherworld, go we. Bye.
1: Oh. <laughs>